Hi, everyone. Just a reminder that this show is not legal advice, trading advice, financial advice, or personal advice. Enjoy the show, and thank you very much. In the late 70s, banking wasn't a job you went into to make large sums of money. It was a fucking snooze. How about those mats? Filled with losers, like selling insurance or accounting. And if banking was boring, then the bond department at the bank was straight up comatose. We all know about bonds. You give them to your snot-nosed kid when he turns 15. Maybe when he's 30, he makes 100 bucks. Boring. That is until Louis Ranieri came on the scene at Solomon Brothers. You might not know who he is, but he changed your life more than Michael Jordan, the iPod, and YouTube put together. <laughs> hey, gentlemen, let's get some money in here. Let's make some money. What do you say? You see, Lewis didn't know it yet, but he'd already changed banking forever with one simple idea. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101. This is Matthew Aaron. And what happens when Crypto 101 meets an ex-Wall Street lawyer? Well, we talk a lot, and we talk about everything. We talk about taxes, laws, countries, governments. Nothing is sacred. Nothing is safe. However, I must warn you, this episode is not for the weak hands. Terrence's experience and perspective might freak some people out. So don't be in front of your computer and have Bittrex open while you're listening to this episode. But please, listen to this conversation with Terrence Young. But before that, please go to Crypto101podcast.com. That's Crypto101podcast.com. There you can find our social media links. Join our Facebook group. It's over 2,000 people. We're very proud of it because of the community that we built. Lots of people there to help you in your exploration of blockchain and cryptocurrency. Go to our Instagram, our Twitter. Also, to make sure to check out our blog. Our blog has a lot of follow-up articles written by Ross, our main blog writer, and a lot of additional information from contributing writers like Ronnie Rose and Danny from Decryptionary. You can send me an email, say, what's up, how you doing? You can go to iTunes. Please go to iTunes and rate us and leave us a comment. These are helping us be found invisible. And also go to our Patreon page. On our Patreon page, you can subscribe to the $5 Rarys on Mars. There you will have exclusive rants, commentaries, and interviews for being a Patreon. Being a Patreon right now is helping us make this podcast. It's paying for the servers. It's paying for the website. It's paying for the hosting. It's paying for all these things. And to the Patreon members, thank you very much. You are making this a little more possible. Now, please welcome Terrence Blockchain Young. Terrence, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Matt. And Terrence, before we get going on the conversation today, would you mind just uh, please give us sure, a, sure. a history and background of yourself? Yeah, sure. So I am a law school graduate and I worked on Wall Street initially as a lawyer and then as a transaction manager and ultimately in sales at law firms, big law firms and big banks, and ultimately a um, billion dollar plus asset manager. Wow. Well, th yeah. thank you for taking time to come on here and, and rap out about cryptocurrency. Yeah, sure. Uh, so with that, what what kind of, um, I know you might not want to say where, where, where have you worked, but what kind of stuff <laughs> does asset manager sure. mean? What does what does a oh, person sure. in this so, do? 
So that uh, job was after I left Wall Street. So that was for a value investor that tries to replicate or do a better job than what Warren Buffett does. It was a kind of okay. a value investing approach. So one of my favorite sayings by Buffett, incidentally, it's, it's so ingrained in my head that when I talk, when I mention this quote, I forget to attribute it to Buffett and people end up thinking that, that I came up with such a great quote, but it's really his line, which is markets. So he's talking about the stock market. I think this right. applies to any market. Markets are voting machines in the short term and weighing machines in the long term. Okay, what does that mean? Meaning right now, in the short run, markets can be super bullish or super bearish, not based on fundamentals, mm -hmm. but based on over-optimism or over-pessimism. Okay. I would argue right now you have extreme over-optimism in crypto, mm -hmm. even though long-term, I think we'd all agree that crypto has enormous potential and we're all bulls in, in crypto long-term, but that, that's why we're, we're involved in it, I assume. Mm -hmm. But short-term, people can disagree on whether or not things are overheated or not. Um, we have basically, I think, Bitcoin at 300 billion market cap and the rest of cryptocurrencies at 570 billion market cap. Something like that, yeah. And very few people are using it outside a few Venezuelans and Zimbabweans, and good for them, right? It's right. great for them. It's not that useful. It's not a big market cap. So if you're a very wealthy Venezuelan, you are doing what? You already have your Swiss bank account. You have your Swiss francs, gold, treasury inflation protected securities, U.S. treasuries. Right. And you're going to have some Bitcoin, but you don't only have Bitcoin. If you are a poor Venezuelan, you're not going to have a lot of Bitcoin to buy with your increasingly worthless Venezuelan boulevard. And you're paying these fees, right, and waiting for the confirmation so are you really um, transacting in Bitcoin or are you just going from using Bitcoin as a capital flight conduit mm -hmm. to go from Venezuelan Boulevard to ultimately U.S. dollars hmm. or maybe a little bit of gold if you want to save up a little bit of Swiss francs. So that to me is not a credible argument for, for such a high valuation. And then you have people doing like using Bitcoin for like global peer to peer Venmo, right? So mm -hmm. you, I can send I don't even have to download the app Venmo. You don't have to either. We can just transact or I can just donate money if I like your podcast, which listeners at home you should do. <laughs> right? Thank you. Just give out your public key and anywhere around the world, they can uh, donate Bitcoin to you uh, without um, having to go through Western Union or having to download Venmo and having a centralized entity know what you're doing or potentially be uh, hacked by bad actors. We touched on the first part of the quote, sure, uh, sure. the voting machine, but what does weighing yeah. machine mean? Sure. Excellent question. So weighing machine means in the long run, in the long run, it's a weighing machine, meaning fundamentals matter. So in crypto, and I believe for any business, you have people like Peter Thiel talk about legal monopolies. Warren Buffett talks about wide moats. Right. Another way to think about it is you as a company, co cryptocurrency, coin, commodity, I don't care what it is, you have to do something really well and you have to meet an unmet need. Right. It can be a psychological need, can be a need to avoid asset seizures. But it has to be unmet and that's the key part because if, for example, people are able to use Monero, Zcash, Dash, or whatever the next iteration is, 
Komodo, that might be much better than Bitcoin for privacy right. and use centralized exchanges, then maybe you don't use Bitcoin to go from Venezuelan Boulevard to a cryptocurrency. Maybe use another cryptocurrency that's more private. Right. So in the long run, you have to meet unmet needs. Otherwise, you're not going to be a valuable currency and the market will get smart and figure it out eventually. And the hype will die down. They'll move on to the next hot thing. People who buy into trends tend to be very trendy right. and they'll feel right. fast whether it's crypto kitties which might be flash in the pan might not be or follow <laughs> you know komodo or whatever you brought up a lot sure. of good questions in there and yes. i'm gonna try to unpack a couple of those <laughs> yeah unmet um, needs what do you think are the unmet needs right now that cryptocurrency has to address to be oh, able wow. to sustain this growth as you said if we don't meet them then they're gonna move on Sure. So right now, the need that's being met arguably is Bitcoin is hot. Everybody's talking about it. You want to feel part of it. The fact that it keeps going up. So they're because the price keeps going up and they're buying because they think the price will continue to keep going up. So that's a classic bubble indicator. Classic bubble indicator is not many people think it's a bubble. Therefore, it's not a bubble. And and if nobody thinks it's a bubble, then it's a bubble. That That's not it. So people talk a lot. I don't care about what people talk about. I care about what people do. So they're buying based on, it seems to me, the price going up. And because there's no fundamentals, the transaction fees remain high. SegWit lightning adoption is low, which is supposed to help scaling and lower fees and reduce confirmation times. All those things are taking a while to play out, which is fine, right? right. Bitcoin takes, everything takes time. And Bitcoin has great technology. It's been unhacked or no one has stolen Bitcoin, unlike the DAO hack or parity hack. No right. one's been able to hack into the blockchain and steal. So we know the code's very secure and there's basically a $300 billion bounty on it. But the, the unmet need that we would need to meet is basically reality needs to catch up to the valuation. So right. the fundamentals, the, the use case needs to catch up to the price. Um, because it's over seriously overvalued. So I don't know what the unmet need is, but it's probably something involving Bitcoin's brand, its immutability, um, censorship resistant characteristics, and maybe it becomes store of value, maybe it becomes medium of exchange, but those things will take a while. But right now it's useful as a physical capital flight conduit. Sorry. Right. Capital flight conduit. So if Russia, so what what might need to happen is China's credit bubble needs to pop. China starts printing a lot of money and go crazy, right? Doing the opposite of what Japan did, which is not print enough, arguably, and Japan raised rates too soon. Right. So China, to avoid becoming Japan, might go the way of Venezuela, and at that point, people just. If you're in China, you'll do everything you can to protect your family and yourself, I assume, and like everybody else, you'll you will find a way to get your RMB out of China and convert right. it to something else. Right. And that might be Bitcoin. Right. So maybe the easiest is if Bitcoin can somehow become digital gold quickly mm -hmm. and replace start replacing gold that's about a seven point seven trillion dollar market cap depending on, you know, estimates vary widely from three to 10 trillion. Right. But uh, if, if Bitcoin can replace gold and become digital gold, then that is several trillion dollar market opportunity. That's going to be great because Bitcoin's only valued at 300 billion now. Can it do that right now? Is it going to take 10 years, 20 years? Right. Who knows? And will it ever do it? There might be another coin that does a better job that 
like a uh, oh or something right yeah. true true you you said a capital flight conduit is a yep. use case it's something that it's a great use case it's it's, yep. an, it's amazing use case and now this sure. goes into a so, very mm-hmm. gray or black and white area of, so, of sure. legalities co- countries control and sure. how you should manage your funds what are your thoughts yep. on that and just you know maybe unpack okay, that a little bit so not every government is like the government of presumably Taiwan where where you live in the U- I'm in the US and other developed countries so right. a lot of countries have a lot of problems and any government can become like a bad government by bad government I mean one that has economic contraction so Japan's been contracting for 27 years in a row or like Venezuela where you have hyperinflation 800% a year or Zimbabwe, we actually have the military <laughs> throw out the old government, yes. and who knows what's going on with the current the old uh, Zimbabwean currency, right. right? So you have all these things that can happen with governments, whether they do this to themselves, to their people, they don't know how to manage the economy, or they go to war, or they're just in the wrong place at the wrong time, over-reliant on some industry, or the demographics are atrocious, whatever. So all these things can happen if... I can say right now, even though I am a, you know, law school graduate, law-abiding citizen, and so forth, I'm going to protect myself and my family, and I think most people will, if they're in a, if their choice comes down to, do I comply with a law mm-hmm. and suffer 800% a year inflation, or do I move my my local currency that I make money in, do I convert that to something else, whether it's Bitcoin, gold, Swiss francs, or whatever. Right. But Capital Flight Conduit is a killer app that, or potential killer app. It obviously meets a need. Right now, it's arguably an unmet need in Venezuela because Bitcoin has the best brand. And it's mm-hmm. actually hard to get US dollars from what I understand. Um, I love to you know, hear from Venezuelans on, your, on a future podcast of yours to, to see what they have to I would say. Love to too. <laughs> but yeah, but so the idea being in Venezuela in particular, it's very hard to get US dollars. So you can't convert like, like I remember um, back in the days uh, hearing stories about in China, Brazil and elsewhere, Argentina, you could take the Argentinian peso, for example, or Brazil real or Chinese RMB and exchange it for US dollars at a much better rate on the black market than officially, meaning the US dollars were a much more in demand than the mm-hmm. local government um, uh, stated they were. So the local currency was worth a lot less. So look, people are going to protect their family and themselves when push comes to shove, even if most of them are law abiding. So that's one use case where things are super extreme and the government's just not doing its job. There's another type of breaking the law, I would call it, where you actually are financing terrorists laundering money, um, you, you made the money illegally and now you want to legitimize it. Like we, we all watch Breaking Bad and how Walter White did that with the car wash and so forth. So, <laughs> right. you know, it, it, or many of us watch that. So that to me feels like a different type of, they're all illegal, right? But one feels worse than the other to me. Now, there are some people who are going to disagree with me and say you will never, you should never break the law. And there are other people at the other extreme who will say you should never um, obey the law and, you know, we should just have freedom and not listen to these stupid governments that are imposing on our freedom and, you know, taxing us to death and brainwashing us or whatever. I'm kind of in the middle. So I think sometimes laws should be respected. And sometimes, look, you got to look out for your family because the government's not doing their job. That's not the deal. The deal is not, 
I just obey the law blindly while you destroy my life savings. That's insane. And that's how revolutions happen. That's why people leave, right, uh, their country and flee. That's why we have refugees and so forth. Well, I think that's why Bitcoin was created because law is not about, you know, I obey it blindly. It's about the will of the the, the people. It's the will of the people, the consensus of what is right, what is wrong, what works best for the place that we live in our unified culture or ideologies. So that's what Bitcoin was created for. So isn't Bitcoin in the spirit of cryptocurrency that Mm -hmm. just that to manipulate the laws? And we're not talking about breaking the laws. We're about changing the laws, right? Uh, so arguably, yes, arguably, and that's a great that's a great point you made about um, changing the laws because what law applies in crypto? You're in Taiwan, maybe someone donating money to you is in Zimbabwe. Do you want to be, or you guys do a business deal? Do you want to be subject to Zimbabwe laws Ooh, or Taiwanese laws? Maybe there should be just a law for crypto. Mm. that's built by people who understand crypto, believe in it, but you still need some sort of private legal system to replace a Zimbabwe law and Taiwanese law so that people can do business and get things done. And because disputes arise all the time, misunderstandings, things don't work out. Anytime you have a contract, especially there's a risk, especially when the contracts are relationship-based, that things happen over time, like a lease or a servicing agreement as opposed to just a final sale contract, right? Those are pretty simple. So I I would argue that um, there's a, I I, I don't know for sure what Satoshi's vision meant. In some ways he was arguably wrong, right? For example, about, uh, so he had a hidden message as many of your your, uh, audience know, where he was quoting, I think, a. Uh, UK newspaper headline about the chancellor raising ra- uh, lowering rates again or printing money again or something like that around 2008 and that was embedded in the um, the first uh, transaction I believe and so um, implying that maybe Bitcoin would be would be a force against hyperinflation by the UK and other developed countries because everybody was printing money after the financial crisis right. rate lowering rates artificially. Yeah, Satoshi's very smart, but um, he's human and or not, you know, God. So he was not correct, I would argue, about hyperinflation happening because there has been zero hap- there's been zero hyperinflation since 2009 or 2008 when when he kind of had that block mind with that message. Well, maybe shit just didn't hit the fan like he thought it would. Not, not yet, right? So it could happen because there's been uh, unprecedented levels of debt. But on the other hand, you have record GDP, I think, at the worldwide level and at the U.S. Yeah. level of yeah. about, I think, $77 trillion and $20 trillion in the U.S. And r- record stock market, real estate has come back. Um, there's... You know, obviously, record levels of debt, but you have record to. Levels of cryptocurrency. Record levels of crypto. Yes. <laughs> we were talking about, um, say, a transaction between Taiwan yeah. and Zimbabwe. Let's just let's just use those two countries. Sure, sure. Actually, we're not, actually, sorry, we're not going to use those two countries. We use general general countries. Um, yeah, sure, sure. Is there any arising laws in cryptocurrency that countries are enacting now that you? know off the top of your head of them a way to either embrace or combat the implementation of cryptocurrency? Not that I know of, but we're nibbling at the corners. It's it's around the corners. So Mm. uh, full disclosure, I advise Bootstrap Legal 
in Los Angeles where the co-founders, and they're wonderful, oh. Amy Wan and Dan Rice. You know I just are, had Amy on the show, you, right? Oh, good. Yeah, no, I did not know that. Yeah, Excellent. She was, she, we Fantastic. just put out her episode two, two episodes ago. <laughs> okay. And I'm going to so have Dan sure, on uh, next sure week. Faithful podcast listeners will know Amy <laughs> uh, ultimately wants to create a private jurisdiction, which is an awesome, awesome idea for crypto. So yeah, maybe you start with arbitration, maybe you start with uh, notifications and dispute resolution, and then just start replacing lawyers with computer code and smart contracts and replace judges and juries with a private legal system. Okay, okay. So you said, name, <laughs> that's funny that you said, I didn't know you were advising Bootstrap actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm trying to get, I think Dan's gonna come on, like I said, next, next week or the week after, maybe after the holidays, and we're gonna talk yeah. about IOTA. He's a, Anti-Iota sure. kind of guy, apparently. <laughs> there are a few of those. I don't understand the technical details. There's a lot of debate. I, I know they. Um, it sounds like the Iota has a really smart team. They, they probably need to do a little bit better job shipping code. And uh. um, so, so you said nibbling at the corners. What What are some of those nibbles that they're taking? Okay, for example, sure. I heard mm -hmm. that they are classifying cryptocurrency as properties in the United States. Is that so true? IRS, what does that mean? And is that a nibble? Yeah. Um, okay, so first I would say most cryptocurrencies, me meaning like most ICOs or virtually all ICOs are probably securities under US securities law. Okay. According to the US SEC, based on their Munchie order and the SEC chair's statement released shortly after the Munchie order last week. So that's number one. But um, in terms of like, are they property? Are they currency? Whatever. They don't function like currencies for the most part right now because it's not really a medium of exchange. People are going to use in Africa and Pesa. Globally, they might use Venmo um, for the most part. And in developed countries, they'll use credit cards or cash or debit cards, Apple Pay, whatever. So it, it's not being used that often as a medium of exchange. There are people doing it, full disclosure, I'm an investor in Purse, the largest e-commerce uh, Bitcoin or cryptocurrency marketplace. Okay, we're gonna but, check that out, uh, I don't know that one. Oh, Purse.io, and another okay. one is OpenBazaar, okay. and, and some others. So yeah, basically uh, on Purse, just real quick, you can buy pretty much anything Amazon sells, as well as like Etsy or Shopify. Really? And get um, five to fifteen percent off nice. by using by spending your Bitcoin. Why okay. would you spend Bitcoin? It's an appreciating asset. Maybe you don't want to sell your Bitcoin, convert it to fiat, go through all the transaction fees, and then not get a discount to spend the fiat at Amazon. This saves you a step. So some people are doing it, I'm sure, to avoid paying taxes. That's not right. great because if you, in, in my mind, if you bought crypto or Bitcoin, it went up. And now you're spending it. You are. You have a. That's a realization event. But talk to your accountant. None of this is advice, accounting, tax, uh, legal, or otherwise. Yeah. Okay. So w real quick, yeah. what is an, a real realization event? First of all, person. That IO sounds yeah. really cool. Um, yeah. I didn't know that existed, honestly. And yeah, check it out. Yeah, we're, we're definitely going to check it out. But what is a realization event? And you brought up a really sure, cool, sure. interesting so, thing because, because yeah. let me frame this really quick. Sure. Cryptocurrency was made to live off the grid, to live out of the control. I mean, this is kind of the point, and this is what people embrace. Yeah. So why would, yeah. first, your ideology about, okay. why, why should why is it a realization event? Why do you think that, okay. and what is it? So, so so I have no ideology. I'm just trying to um, um, present, all right, I, I'm not revealing my ideology, I think, by, by merely saying that 
the IRS, if you're a U.S. person, so I don't know, like, I, I know even less about non-U.S. tax law than U.S. tax law. Okay. But commonsensically and based on my work experience and working my, with my accountant about other stuff, a realization event is basically you did something. So, so you bought crypto or you bought Bitcoin and it just goes up in value. Mm-hmm. There's no event because you're still holding it. Okay. But when you sell it or spend it, right, you're getting rid of your Bitcoin to mm. get something else, which is fine, right? You might get rid of your Bitcoin to get fiat. You might get rid of your Bitcoin to get a MacBook. But either way. What, um, what if you get Litecoin? Is, okay, so I believe, talk to your accountant, but I believe that there is no Section 1031 IRS protection where you can consider that a like kind exchange, meaning that is also a realization event and taxable. Oh. When you go from stock to Samsung stock, that is still taxable. The IRS doesn't care that you didn't exchange cash. When if you bought Apple stock at ten dollars and you know at now that's $150, you get $150 worth of Samsung stock, mm-hmm. right? You have $140 of gain, right? That that would be what my accountant would tell me. <laughs> she's very she's very good, but she's very conservative, but which is fine. Keeps me out of trouble. Right. Um, and I used to fight her on this, but after a while, I just realized it's not worth it. Like for me, um, <laughs> right. people uh, toe the line, but her, this is the problem with anything in the U.S. The U.S. first of all is a very long reach. It's very hard for you to say I'm no longer a U.S. citizen. Goodbye, because you don't want to pay tax because they're going to just going to assume you want you're doing that to avoid tax because that's what a lot of people are doing to renounce citizenship. Right. That's number one. number two. Um, spirit of the law or substance over form governs both for tax law but also for regular contracts. And Amy may have talked about that. Where in the U.S. you have this concept of equity. So smart contracts or um, being cute doesn't really work. The (laughs) courts are going to look at the intent. So you can you can drain right parity and you can drain uh, the DAO and violate the spirit of the contract. And in smart contracts and crypto, that works. Although you might get, you know, your assets frozen like what Ethereum did to the DAO and then have a hard. But conceptually. The idea that you can be cute and say, well, but, you know, I just went from crypto to crypto, Bitcoin to Bitcoin cash, Bitcoin cash to Bitcoin. That's the same thing, right? They're both Bitcoin, like talk to like or whatever. So that doesn't really work. Um, So I don't think the IRS is going to look at that too kindly. They might not focus on it if you're only doing it at 10 grand, right, worth of transactions. But once you get into like higher amounts, you're more and more at risk that the IRS is going to come down hard on you and either make an example of you, audit you, or just like want their tax. The tax man wants their cut and the U.S. government is very good at collecting their cut. That's just my view. I I don't think it's worth it. I would focus on if I were a beginner in crypto or just anyone in crypto, I would not um, try to get too cute with taxes. I would just focus on how I can add real value or make money or where my competitive advantage is. What do I know that most people in crypto don't know? What do I know that's true that's contrarian, right? Right. 
that most people don't agree with, and then exploit that? Or what is my unique combination of skill sets, personality, um, you know, just friends, whatever, take advantage and, and apply that to crypto? Because there's a lot of um, opportunity. It's just, yeah, I don't think you need to um, game it by trying to dodge taxes and not getting away with it realistically. I think what we have here is we have a, a lot of new people in the space and a lot of people that, and that's the good thing about cryptocurrency. You know, you get, you get the, the waiter and the waitress, the mom and the pop able to invest in something and, and realize some, you know, yeah, um, gains from, from, from their hard earned dollars or, or their tip money or, or what have you. It's amazing. And I, sure. I think that there's a realization that your hard earned money is still going to get taxed and it's kind of not fair. And so there's, there's this little throwback or pushback of, you can't touch my, my money. I invested my yeah, money. Yeah, I, I mean my money. So nobody likes – I don't know anybody that likes paying taxes unless they're a BS politician trying to <laughs> – to who, I don't know. But um, so um, it's just something we all have to do. So right. I, my suggestion is pick your battles. Look, if you're really good at mixing coins and you're using an advanced privacy coin or whatever – you have some special system, decentralized exchanges, acquiring and getting out of crypto using local Bitcoins where you do in-person transactions or whatever, then, you know, good luck to you. But I, I don't need to be part of that. You, you do what you want. It's a free right. world. <laughs> right. Um, right. I'm just saying for most people, they're going to get caught. Right. They're going to get caught. And I believe it's just a matter of time before, I don't know, the NSA accidentally leaks all the information they have, right, on U.S. taxpayers accidentally mm. to the IRS and shit hits the fan and people, um, you know, if crypto keeps going up, which it can, or crypto goes into a bear market, recovers, and then keeps going up, which I think is more likely. And at some point, you know, there's just way too much tax revenue being lost and they're going to try to get it look at what well, look at what happened with amazon right nobody wanted to pay internet sales tax back in the day mm -hmm. amazon was very clever at fighting states about sales tax but eventually they when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply caved in why because it wasn't worth it they wanted to be legitimate and it was a competitive advantage for amazon because amazon was making enough money that they could afford to charge customers a sales tax mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and not need it as a competitive advantage and that put pressure on the other e-commerce shops to try to um, either not pay sales tax and have the states come after them state revenue authorities or you know play ball and not be so appealing anymore compared to you know shopping at the mall back in the day before we go into general questions about what your just thoughts on uh, the space yes. i, I want to i just want to ask this question yeah. it seems as though there's going to be there's three things that we're talking about right now we're talking about sure. the extreme individuals that say i want to change it i, I want to put the power back in the uh, the people's hands and Which is transactions great. without the government without taxation and yeah. stuff like that Sure. Then there's the, the middle of the road camp that says, pay your taxes, do everything legit, um, and you, you're going to get caught. And then there's the <laughs> – <laughs> that's, that, that's cool. That's cool. 
and and all these perspectives are 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 amazing. Be- sure. And then the 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 other one is the more I, I guess conspiracy theory that they're going to secretly chip away and destroy Bitcoin because they don't want it in the market. In, oh, you in, mean the government or yes, the government, the media, kind of like uh, you know, just like plan this, plan the like. For example, there's one theory coming out that the t- new tax law that's getting passed by Congress is uh-huh. embedded with ways to destroy cryptocurrency. I don't know if it, that's intentional, but I wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me if that was in there and they're leaving it in there knowing that that could be a possible consequence. Meaning like that might not be the original intent, but now that people have brought it up or people have looked at it, um, they might not be against it so much. So Trump is what? He's not libertarian. <laughs> he's arguably <laughs> authoritarian. And, um, and so he's a law and order kind of guy. So it's not inconceivable that he would be okay with it. The Republicans want to – are you saying this is in the latest tax bill maybe? Well, I, I thought you were, were going to say, uh, in case this is helpful to, to you and your, uh, especially your, your audience, I thought you were going to say that there's the third type of people besides the libertarian anarchists, the middle-of-the-road people – uh, wishy-washy people, some, some might call me, or the law and order people. So I actually have a friend. I was shocked when she said this. She's like, isn't the only use case of Bitcoin and crypto just for money laundering and breaking laws? It's like, wow, that is quite a different view from reality. I, 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 that was that was gonna be part of one of the things I say, and I was gonna say that in the in sure. the media out, outlet, like the article that was released the other day, that the person was money laundering money to ISIS in Bitcoin. Yep, yep. No, I saw that. And I that that, that brings it. everybody into that group and say, hey, this is this is bad. They're buying drugs. Yeah. So it's it's tough, right? Because on the one hand, so I think most people should not be their own bank. They're not good at it. A lot of my friends have lost crypto, been hacked, mm. or both, and they are much more sophisticated and careful, seems to me, than the average person who's getting into crypto now. Most people should not be their own bank. So. If they're only doing like $500 worth or $5,000 worth, as long as that's not their life savings or a big percentage of their assets, maybe just leave it on Coinbase, like who cares, or buy the um, overpay and buy the GBTC or whatever that uh, Bitcoin investment trust, that ticker is, that's super overvalued, but you don't have to be your own bank. You don't have to do all this crazy offset, a bunch of my friends who are including very smart people, right? Like from Stanford, they got all the credentials. They've had their identities stolen because mm. <laughs> people think they have crypto. So, I mean, these are really, I was shocked when they when it happened to them, but that was before I became more realistic about how, how easy it is to impersonate or hack anybody pretty much. Interesting, so. interesting. I don't want to go into that because you're going to make me paranoid and I'm going to start That's selling right. all my coins and... So, so one thing you can do, which I think is uh, helpful advice, might help you sleep at night. You should always have two, at least two sets of everything. One where maybe you're more public about it, and that's the wallet uh, and key you use. But there's another one that nobody knows about. Maybe your spouse or significant other knows about it. Maybe your kids. Maybe your um, 
you know, something, right? right it's right. written in a safe deposit box that is only open by your error and upon, you know, and they only have access if something happens to you, God forbid. This way, if you're ever in a situation where someone's hacking you or robbing you or threatening you, recommend taking hacking lessons but this is all the crypto i have and that's it i'm sorry you thought it was 50 million dollars it's only 50 dollars or five thousand dollars whatever it is and then once they take that the other stuff you might have your secret kind of passphrase or whatever stored in your head and nowhere else right but you you store the the other the, the less secret one the, the one with less money that you don't care about maybe that's stored on a piece of paper and then when someone you know robs you or, or threatens you then you just hand over that piece of paper but it doesn't have most of your savings maybe it's twenty percent of your total crypto not a hundred percent right so that's one idea to reduce risk that should help you sleep better at night to make up for the fud that I'm spreading. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's fun. I would say it's it's more it's realistic thinking, um, and a perspective that we don't get a lot. And sorry, that that's yeah. As any paranoid person would say, just because I'm paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get us. <laughs> 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 All right, so we know about what you think about the FUD and the hype in the market. Who is one person that you have a high regard for in the crypto space? Mm, I'm going to give two. Okay. Because, uh, or th three, sorry, three, because um, I'd like to be kind of Switzerland on this one. I, I think they're all really smart and they all have their own issues. So Adam Back from Blockstream and the Bitcoin core kind of no okay. 2X proponent. He's been a a um, cypherpunk for many years. He knows a lot. He can get a little uh, snarky on Twitter, but I kind of like that. And for the most <laughs> part, he's very smart, very intelligent. So that's on the BTC side. On the BCH side, I like uh, Amen Gunsire from Cornell. Okay. He's a professor and he can be extremely snarky, very smart, makes a lot of good points. One of my favorite uh, pieces that he wrote has to do with who can you trust in crypto? And why open source software has a lot of problems with um, non-original developers, core developers, making the code unnecessarily complex so they can get hired as consultants. They don't mm. intend to do it. No one, ever, no one's ever that kind of evil. Usually, I mean, these are developers we're talking about—the pretty honest people. But the economic incentives are there. If right. you're a core developer, you're what a volunteer for FOSS free open source software. Nobody knows who you are, nobody cares, unless you make the code, you can get Bitcoin improvement proposals that are complicated, that only you know, and a few other people know how to fix or how to run it so you can get hired as a consultant. So I think that makes economic sense. May not have happened yet. I don't know enough. I haven't coded since high school. I just look at economic incentives and because ultimately those matter. Right. Those, those drive behavior a lot. Then the third one is Vitalik Buterin. Obviously, he's very smart, and I think he's a great person to follow on Twitter. He's um, engaging, has good ideas, and sometimes you know he's not always right, but he, he'll even spar with people who are haters. And like there's this guy, um, <laughs> his name is Peter Peter Todd or something, and uh, it he. He seems like a very smart, nice guy, but his personality on Twitter reminds me of um, Dwight Schrute from The Office, and they look slightly similar. 
So when, whenever Peter Todd goes on his rampage and picking on people, one time he picked on Vitalik, and that was a very good Twitter exchange where uh, I think uh, the community learned a lot, even though Vitalik had to take some blows. And yeah. <laughs> So those are three I like. They're kind of obvious choices. I saw that as one of your questions. I was trying to think of how to answer it without them. Um, this goes back to who do you trust? Because I think everybody in crypto, if we're going to be our own bank, we should also learn not to trust other people and just think mm. for ourselves. So that's why I'm reluctant to name one of the lesser known people that may or may not turn out to be batshit crazy. Who knows? So um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry to be kind of give us such a boring answer, but that's no. why. No, no, a lot of people, you you know, the, the number one most popular answer, on the, actually the two most popular answers is Brock Pierce and Vitalik. And I know Brock. I forgot to mention him. He's a smart guy. Yes. And Vitalik. Yes. Yeah. And and so to bring uh, two people that haven't been mentioned yet in there. Sure. Thank you. Because you because most people just gravitate toward those two guys. Yeah. 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 Brock and, is very uh, clear. But both are very smart and very easy to understand relative to some of the other crypto geniuses are out there and we have so many geniuses in crypto <laughs> yeah there's some there's some wickedly smart people um mm -hmm. one two people that do not get mentioned sure. a lot and i'm surprised is yeah. andreas anopolis and nick zabo so nick is very smart they're both very smart andreas to me it's a personality thing i mean i, I don't i'm kind of a jerk, right, for making fun of Peter Todd being the right truth. Andreas Antonopoulos, <laughs> so I'll just continue since I'm on a roll. To me, he seems a little crazed. Like, it's just something <laughs> off about him. It's like, you need to kind of switch to decaf 10 years ago or something. Right. <laughs> he says party very clear. He, yep. he makes Bitcoin very accessible to people. Nick Zabo is extremely smart, right? He's also not always right, right? Like, I think... Um, Amy may have talked to you about his the machine example and right. the car that's like use a smart contract for right. car rentals. And if you don't, did, did she talk about that? Yeah, she did. She did. Yeah. And she brought up an amazing point, the amazing point of, yeah. yeah, you have to look at this as a lawyer. You're going to trash the car if you can't get into it. And if you know it's going to, you can't pay your payment, you're going to trash the inside of the car. Not everybody, but some people are going to get mad and they're going to do, uh, the, show the computer, show the machine who's boss, right? Right, exactly. In, in my business, we have to look at it the same way. You know, when we're having employees and we have to think about, you know, if we're going to let them go, how are they going to react? You're just sure. lost your job. Are they going to trash the office? Yeah. What kind of personality? Should I have security here when I let them go? Should I not? Sort of thing. So yeah. it's, uh, it's something that's very, that's always on somebody that knows the business's mind and lawyers know all businesses from a human aspect. Yeah. Uh, if, they, if they have expertise, yeah, they, they know. And especially if they've been involved in disputes, whether it's litigation or a corporate transactional lawyer trying to prevent litigation, you hear a lot of stories. So yeah, you have to understand people, right? So people want to be listened to. They want to be heard. That's why it's important to not make everything in Bitcoin or crypto immutable. And final sale, that's a really stupid idea. It's not going to work for a while. People are used to, especially in the developed world, they're used to, especially in the U.S., we're used to being able to talk to the manager of whatever, right? This might look right, blah, 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 right? I talk to a manager. So customers are used to being treated very well in the U.S. There's a lot of good customer service aside from the monopolies or like Comcast, Time Warner. But right. many of this best, most successful companies, you look at Apple and so forth, they, Amazon, they have great 
customer service. Amazing. Yes. Amazing so, customer service. What is one company you think is going to have the greatest sure. impact? What, wow. was your, what was the company you mentioned earlier that you invested in? Purse is very good. Yeah. So one thing they're doing that maybe is not obvious from their website is I believe they are working on alternative. They are working on alternative Bitcoin implementations or client implementations for Bitcoin, the code. So basically right now you have Bitcoin Core and that like 99% or 97% of full node runners run Bitcoin Core and everything's done through Bitcoin Core. But it's good to have some diversification because you don't want everything centralized. So if you think Bitcoin Core is a little clubby, you can't get your Bitcoin improvement proposal submitted unless there's a trusted core developer who sponsors it or, or blesses it. There's all these things that you can do to make yourself important at the expense of, if you're a core developer, or inner core developer at the expense of the community and of Bitcoin, right? So you constantly have these agency risks. Anytime management is involved, they might not do what's best for shareholders. They might just do what's best for themselves. Same thing with core developers, same thing with miners, same thing with whatever. So you just want things to be safe, I think as decentralized as possible. And Balaji Srinivasan, Andreessen Horowitz, board partner, I believe, and a Stanford lecturer and founder of 21. He had a great article about quantifying decentralization in crypto. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he found that basically everything is centralized in crypto. He seemed to suggest that mining was surprisingly decentralized. I don't agree because you look at Bitmain and Antpool, right? They have vertical monopoly or centralization between making the chips and the mining rigs and being the largest mining pool. But Balaji said that client implementation, meaning Bitcoin Core, heavily centralized, maintainers, developers, the number of developers who have more than three commits, let's say in Bitcoin, very low. And it's worse for all the other cryptocurrencies, but even Bitcoin, which is the purest in some ways and the most established, that is still uh, heavily centralized in many subsystems. The code itself is not centralized, the problem is the subsystems are centralized all over. Okay, so we we, we, got, we went to yeah. the decentralization. Two questions in one. There's a lot of people coming into the crypto space right now. And mm-hmm. Crypto 101 is the number one podcast that shows up on iTunes. Okay. Or if you look at Bitcoin or Ethereum or cryptocurrency, they're going to come to Crypto 101. The newest podcast is going to be your podcast. You're the first person they listen to coming into the space. <laughs> what would you want them to know? about this space? I would want them to know why they're investing and if they have real deep conviction. I think that's very important because if they don't, right, if they're just repeating a bunch of crap they don't understand, if they can't define blockchain or they don't understand the value of crypto, they don't know how many how many Venezuelans are using crypto because I suspect it's a lot lower than people think, at least in terms of dollar value. Because Venezuelans and Zimbabweans, unfortunately, don't have a lot of money. So how do you justify 300 billion of Bitcoin valuation and 580, 600, whatever it is, of cryptocurrency valuation? So you must have deep conviction to invest. If you're looking at it as I'm just having fun, this is money I was going to put at double, on double green double zero at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas, but instead I'm going to put, instead of $1,000 and double zero at the roulette table at Caesars Palace, I'm going to put $1,000 in crypto or Bitcoin. That's fine. 
money you can afford to lose, have fun with it, enjoy, right? But if you're looking at it as investments, I know people who have 100% of their money in one cryptocurrency, so they have all their life savings in crypto, and it's narrowed down to one cryptocurrency or 99% of net worth or 98%. Then I have other people who are funding their college, uh, their kids' college education by investing in crypto, right? And and I have a lot of people who don't know what they're doing, um, keep asking me about crypto. They have very not half-baked ideas. They have they just want to make money. They're buying because they have FOMO, right? Including right. very smart people who several months ago did not want to talk about crypto. Now they all, all they want to do is talk about crypto. That to me are signs of a bubble. So you have to know um, and be honest with yourself. When do you get out? And I want you to practice getting out because if you can't convert your tremendous, amazing paper gains in crypto into fiat, it doesn't mean anything. Or if you can't, you know, spend it at the price you want, right? Right. Put a purse and everybody's trying to spend their Bitcoin at the same time. So that MacBook becomes an iPad, becomes a <laughs> Amazon Echo. That's not that great because the price keeps dropping <laughs> because everybody's trying to get out at the same time. So I want people in crypto to please, please not risk more than they can afford to lose. It's okay to spend some money, right? Because I, I like the idea of investing just a little bit to start because the real losses or means that makes it feel more real. You'll be more interested. You'll be more motivated to study it. But don't put too much into it yet. Take your time and then the bubble will pop at some point. Have fun with it. Don't be the one holding the bags. Or it's kind of a game of musical chairs and you don't want to be the last one standing without a chair to sit on when the music stops. Right. So it's um, it's very risky times. Um, I would focus on that because I think uh, most people getting into it right now, they just want to make money. They don't give a shit about distributed ledger tech or Segwit2x debates, they, they don't care. They just want to make money, they want the price to go up, and that's why they're buying, because they think someone will pay more. Right. And I like people to just manage your downside risk. It's a very lawyerly kind of advice, right, as a former lawyer. Manage your downside risk and um, you know hope for the best. It's fine to invest a little bit and have a little fun with it. Um, it you're probably overpaying big time, but it, so far, um, all the naysayers have been wrong, and this bubble can potentially go bigger. I like what you said when you said practice getting out. And I, and I know we're almost out of time here, and I apologize. No, no so, so if you want to wrap this up, we, we can wrap it up, no problem. No, no, I, I have a few minutes. So, yeah, that was just a yeah, conservative okay. estimate. Yeah. All right, cool, cool. Um, you said practice getting out. And I, I want to tell you my, my story and yeah, yeah. then let you give your advice on this. I had a get out for quantum just the other day. I bought quantum at 11, had about 420 of it. And sure. I was trading between 11 and 15 bucks, you know, made about a thousand bucks over, over a course of a weekend when it, during the bear cycle back a couple months ago. And I've been holding ever since. And I said, okay, at 15, I'm going to get out. I saw it be very aggressive. And then it went to 20. And I said, at 20, I'm going to get out, sold at 21, about Excellent. three days ago, made about four or five thousand dollars it was sitting at 70 bucks yesterday practicing getting out it has a lot of emotion in there so what what do you do yeah. about practicing getting out with the emotion sure. as well so, so here's an idea practice getting half your crypto out 
right? So you leave half in and half out. The reason um, when we who's buying right now, it's not just new people. It's also people who sold at 20 and they're rebuying at 70, not necessarily you. Because they see it continue to go up. So this fear of missing out. I says tripled, and then he said the practice getting out, and I keep missing. I should have just hodled. He's a moron, right? So, yes, I am a moron. But that has nothing to do with whether or not I'm right about practicing getting out. Because mm. if you don't practice getting out, you're not going to be able to do it the right way. And it's good to practice getting out in different types of markets, including a bear market. So in a bear market, let's say um, these altcoins are going down 30% or whatever, pick your altcoin, and you happen to have an altcoin, maybe you get out 10% of it. So you just sell a little bit, right? right. And yes, you're selling at a low price, but you actually want to see if even selling 10%, let's say um, you only have $5,000 in a coin and you only sell $500. If that's going to move the coin, $500 trade, then that's not a good sign. That's a sign that that market is very illiquid. And you mm. can use any number you want, but you want to practice and see how, you know, Bitfinex, God bless you if you're trading with them or whoever, how they do <laughs> at converting, getting fiat to you. I want it, I want you to test these exchanges and wallets and make them give you fiat when you want it. And just do 1%, 10% of your crypto portfolio just to see how they behave, right? Right. Because um, it's, it's insane to me to think that people would just hodl hundred percent and then trust that their random exchange that might be rumored to have problems um, is going to deliver and going to be able to execute right. and crunch time not and how are you going to feel right so imagine you're panicking a little bit because you might lose what you consider a small amount to you but then how are you going to behave when things are really bad and everything's going down 50 percent every day for days and you want to get out and how do you how are you going to behave? So the best traders, because I worked on Wall Street and I knew a lot of them, are different from regular traders because they tend to be less emotional in their trading behavior. They're still emotional people. They're human beings. Right. But they're able to, a lot of them say, you know, I screwed up. Next play. Who cares? I, I can learn from that or I don't know what happened. I'm going to move on to the next trade because I still have cash. Um, shorts, longs, whatever, right? Leverage, increase or decrease my leverage. There's all sorts of things I can do and I'm going to be judged at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, at the end of the year on whether or not I beat the market and how much money I made for the comp my company or my fund. So you have to be able to emotionally withstand the bear cycle. The, the problem I have with the crypto market right now is outside of Bitcoin, none of these coins have had severe bear markets unless they're Total shit coins in the market figured it out. Everything's just right. kind of straight lined up <laughs> since Jan 1 or whenever crypto started taking off. So congratulations if you've hodled or traded and made money this year. You're not going to get any great investors to invest in your fund because you've never been through a bear market. And we don't know how you're going to behave. I've seen very smart people freak out or be rational and they keep selling their stocks um, all the way to and including March 2009 when that was like the bottom of the market. Hodling sound, these are people who hodled for decades or years. Hodling sounds great until shit hits the fan and then you get punched in the face and then you have to decide, am I still hodling? See, right. I feel like I'm getting punched in the face every time I hodl. 
or every hour I huddle, market just keeps going down. So just like the market can keep, go up based on um, votes or a voting machine, it can go come crashing down. In the long run, it'll even out. But I think um, there's good reason to assume that because it went vertically up, it can go vertically, almost vertically down if, if the bear market strikes. So that's what I would look for. Sorry to be a downer but yeah a little, little bit man a little bit but yeah. it, it, it's, it's better know, than the lambos on the moon uh, jargon that we always get this guy i'm happy that you have the number one uh podcast for beginners and crypto so that's why i want to kind of deliver that message last question of the night what three songs would you like with your interview <laughs> okay so i'm going to answer this in two ways first i was going to chicken out and just use kind of the opening credits from TV shows or movie trailers that I liked a lot. So obviously the big short would be one that I think is a fun film and very applicable given the message I'm trying to convey, because I think there's a big short opportunity in, in crypto coming up or uh, soon, not now. I wouldn't short it now, but soon. And then another one is house of cards just because of the title, but also because house of cards is about Washington and very political selfish people who care a lot about power right. these people do not like crypto necessarily nor why should they it goes again it's not in their interest so we have to be aware that they could do things to hurt crypto and um, run headlines that are going to make it look like certain countries that are enemies of the u.s are, are heavily involved in crypto to to disparage it potentially right that's what i do if i were them i don't blame them it's just what they do they're, they're right. very good and then the last was we're doing game of thrones but that's very um kind of corny and overdone maybe so um i like to show homeland a lot and again that has to do with u.s intelligence so instead of politicians now and um central bankers or whatever. Now you're talking about U.S. intelligence and their fight against terrorism and if everything makes it... And, and their perspective is more from the CIA's perspective, so it's more kind of pro-terrorism because right. in, in the show, there are actual terrorists, right, doing bad things and the CIA tends to be right. Sometimes they screw up, just like in real life. But um, it's... The, the reason I like that show for, for you and for this is because I think... Uh, Intelligence agencies around the world are very interested in crypto. Why would they not be? They, they want to know what the motivations are of Satoshi Nakamoto, whoever that may be. And they want to um, understand why people are in crypto. So I would argue the more use cases we come up with besides money laundering, right? And besides like destroying banks and whatever, right. the, the better, whether it's global Venmo peer-to-peer or um, African trade finance or trade finance generally or just um, avoiding these horrible, corrupt, um, ridiculous governments that are have like a thousand percent a year inflation or whatever. So, um, well, that that's exactly what we're going to play. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Terrence, thank you for coming on the show. And can I just ask really quick, uh, yeah. how do you pronounce your last name? Uh, is it Yang or Yang? It's Yang, but um, because... Uh, for the listeners who are Mandarin speakers, and I know you're in Taiwan, it's technically Yang, okay. but yeah, I, I'm used to Yang. It's either's fine. Change the middle name to Blockchain. Terrence Blockchain <laughs> Yang. Nice for you to come on the show, and thank you for your wisdom. Thank you very much, Matthew. Enjoyed All it. Right. All right, bye bye. Bye.
Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. I want to say thank you again to Terrence for coming on Crypto 101. We really appreciate it. I also want to give a shout out to Apogee Crypto. That's A-P-O-G-E-E Crypto.com. The best place to check real-time prices for your cryptocurrencies. And I also want to say thank you to Harry. Harry Foster edited this episode of Crypto 101, saving me hours of time. And he volunteered to do that. And thank you very much. It's very, very appreciated. Thank you for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. I'm Matthew Aaron. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.